I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you vampires and vampire hunters? I'm Alan. I'm Molly. Oh, a vampire. Got it. Understood. Yeah. I'm I'm Max. I I don't. Do you I don't identify as either yeah, of those? I just don't say my name like that. Hey, Mamali. Hi, Mamali. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, one of those. My, my vampire was a little Mario, but. A little bit. And this is Zeta Slapitas. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie week by week in chronological order and then spend far too much time analyzing them. This week, we watched Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. We sure did. Yeah, Whew. we did. The Halloween feature, the fourth Halloween feature we've done. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Actually, indeed. Yeah. actually, we've done more than that because of our Hocus Pocus episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. We've actually done, uh, I guess this is five, right? Halloween under sometimes. Wraps, Halloween Town. Don't look under the bed. Don't, Don't look, look under the bed. Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah, and yeah. now yeah. Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. Now, we did Hocus Pocus 2 out of order. But um, so this is the fourth chronological decom we've had. Uh, and fifth we've done on ZSP. It's a, a large Halloween representation in these episodes. I do enjoy a seasonal flick, so... And, and now it's going to be less regular because I think for a while we were just getting like yearly, you know, once a quarter decoms and obviously you're going to make one for Halloween. Now we're doing monthly. And so they're going to be more spread out. But early on, we had a bunch of them. Yeah, that was a lot back to back to back. The basic show info for Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire is two kids set their mom up on a date with a vampire. <laughs> yup, correct. Like I, it, I wish there was more. <laughs> That's, That's what we got. They, they, they nailed it. They really did. It released on October thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth of the year two thousand. I like a Friday the thirteenth release. Yeah, Boopy. Uh, Did either of you watch this movie as a kid? No. I- don't believe I did. I did not either. I remember being advertised, um, but I don't watching it. I had no recollection of it. Yeah, had never seen it prior to. The top song of the week was "Come On Over, Baby" by Christina oh. Aguilera. Let's go! Come on over, come on over, baby. Ven conmigo, ven conmigo, baby. I had to learn that in Spanish. Hey, good. I got something going on. Yes, I do. Banger. Oh, my God. And she had the coolest hair in this music video. I wanted it so bad. She had her blonde hair, but then on the ends and the underlayer, it was like a magenta-y reddish color that she had dyed. And, oh, my God, I begged my mom to let me dye my hair pink. She did not. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I used blue hair gel for one summer because I wanted colored hair and um, I couldn't dye it, but I could use blue hair gel. Yeah. I, hmm. I did manifest these childhood dreams. Uh, I dyed my hair pink during the, the quarantine and then I dyed my hair purple to go on the Star Cruiser. No, no, so. no. Let's be clear. I That's dyed true. your Alan hair dyed pink, my hair both times. And then I yes. dyed your hair purple. And then I spent three months trying to make it unpurple because it stuck to my very natural blonde hair. You ask me to do sure. a dye job. I do a dye job. You know, yeah. I do it well. Talk about another really great sort of, maybe really great isn't the right way to introduce this, but the top film of this of the time was Meet the Parents. That is a good movie. It's a good movie. Like, it's just, a, I, I read that, I was like, wow, these are like two really I good top Greg, events here. Greg, can milk me? 
Yeah, that's that's a strong showing for music and movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some news headlines of the time, and this is one that happened on the day, October the thirteenth of the year two thousand. PepsiCo, in order to compete with Seven Up and Sprite, launched Sierra Mist on October thirteenth of the year two thousand. I did not ever think of PepsiCo having to compete with Seven Up and Sprite. I obviously thought the follow-up of that sentence would be Coca-Cola. Sure, but I guess Sprite is. Is Seven Up not a Pepsi product? No, it's an independent. Mm-hmm. They were anything, trying to get into the clear lemon lime citrusy. Anything like? No, it's an independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but independently often, bottled. But they often sell it with Pepsi. Um, maybe, but uh, I mean, they might have it on a machine. But uh, it's an independently bottled uh, company. It's its own thing. So they have to like pay us. I always thought it was. I always thought it was a. No, the lemon lime soda of Pepsi is Sierra Mist, which I, I think my thing I'm trying to process in this moment is like, damn, Sierra Mist didn't exist until I was 11 years old. Like, I, I guess that's that's a weird, I guess I only drink Sprite. I don't know. It's I'm not a big lemon lime guy, but yeah, I, I actually, when I was researching news and headlines of the events of the week, it was literally a press release from PepsiCo from the day, October 13th of 2000, that Explain the release of Sierra Mist. I have to tell you two things, and one of them makes sense why I thought it was Pepsi. On Wikipedia, the first sentence is, uh, the brand and formula are owned by Keurig Dr. Pepper, Mm -hmm. although the beverage is internationally distributed by PepsiCo. There you go. So Hmm. in my brain, when you go to a restaurant that serves Pepsi products, they might have 7-Up, not Sprite, obviously. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. The laws of soda making are... Interesting. Yeah, Deep and intricate, and I, you know what? Maybe we start a soda, soda podcast. Um, the United States Damn, wins honestly. the most medals, 97, and the most gold medals, of, of which there were 40, in the Summer Olympics that were held in Sydney, Australia, that had ended about the week prior. Oh, so interesting. You we'll follow up from show. last week's pod. Yeah. And so, as we learned, none of them were acquired by Michael Phelps this time. In a few this years, Correct. in a few years, it'll be. Yeah, 2004. He will start his domination soon. Yeah, yeah, 2004, 2008, the dominance begins of Michael Phelps. I love the Olympics. Mm. Do y'all like the Olympics? Uh, I have some ethical uh, issues yeah. with the As Olympics gotten, recently, yeah. but yeah. I like the spirit of the Olympics, and I often like watching the, the sports, for sure. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I just feel like growing up, I especially loved watching it and I think part of that is because I lived in Atlanta so I went sure. to things for 96 and I just I like I like the yeah I like the spirit of the Olympics and I like when you have those stories where like a refugee wins for mm. their you know or like some country that no one really think you know a small country and then they come in to win the whole thing and you've got this like beautiful moment of humanity and sportsmanship it's about being there for the thing too right yeah. like all everyone in the world experiencing the same thing at the same time is sort of like there there are not many moments like that that feels so unifying in terms of like the thing we are watching happen yeah it's also great watching the people who are the best at what they do compete at the highest level and then, like, I, I, my brain just will never understand it because then we have, like, people in pundits who are like, well, they could have done the X, Y, and Z better. And it's everything in me that just going to be like, all right, you go do it. Sure. You, you go swim the thousand meter next to Ledecky. Like, I want to watch you try. That's why we need the average Joe in every I, single event. I will, I will 
co-sign that. I do think they should have just a random person swimming so that you can see how fast even spots nine and ten are going. Mm-hmm. Or imagine putting the average Joe in the uneven bars. Like, well, then they're probably going <laughs> to die. <laughs> I think not. You don't even need like an average person. You just need like the average competitor. Like, like get somebody that swam in college. Yeah. Right. Get somebody that was on the Arizona State gymnastics team mm-hmm. and then have put them, her, like put, put them her next, next to Simone Biles and see right. what happens. Yeah. <sighs> In any case, I, I agree. I think that'd be great. But that's not going to happen in the Olympics anytime soon. Uh, what is going to happen is we are going to talk about Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. So let's dive into it. We start this movie the exact same way. We start under wraps. That's true. That's which true. is a movie within a movie. We love yeah. a movie within a movie. Where we watch the Dracula sort of knockoff of the decom experience as he is taking a bride to his home on a carriage and she is under a trance and the shout of true love rescues her from her trance and she goes away as the vampire attempts to commit violence on the family. And that's when you sort of zoom out and you see your main character, Adam. Uh, the main thing to learn from the the vampire movie though is that true love greater than vampire trance vampires would disagree but true love is indeed greater than vampire trance by the way i did keep a vampire power counter here and i do have them all indexed because i love i love vampire powers and i love all vampire like crazy rules Mm -hmm. vampires more than i think most mythical creatures or monsters have the craziest rules and i love that like most films that cover vampires follow those rules like they are ludicrous often and yet everyone's like yeah we've accepted they can't come inside yep makes sense i literally (laughs) listeners i nearly got up from my chair to walk across my room to get my monster manual for D&D 5th edition off the shelf just to flip it open to the vampire creature page because like the rules exist everywhere. It's yep. not as if it stops in like pop culture. It's just like where did we get this idea? I don't We've think all I, accepted it. I don't think I know enough about vampires because every time a you. new power or rule was introduced I was like is that common lore? Like what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. And most of them were. They they played with a couple um, but mostly it was like yeah that's that's a vampire thing. I know mm-hmm. the garlic thing obviously i know the wooden sure. stake but like the coming into this door thing i was like is that a vampire? they got to be invited in they have to be invited that's in. a rule that vampires follow you're never in danger in your house unless you invite them in i would never invite them in probably which is why next. the uh the new movie that has uh nicholas cage in it playing dracula oh, I is can't going to be that. bonkers be very fun have you seen the previous to that yet max it's so good. no it's it's crazy it's actually crazy it's anyway like very hear satirical it. looks very funny so we have the movie within the movie zooms out and you're introduced to the trio of main characters. You have Adam, who's the middle child. He sort of drives the plot and leads the cast here. You have Taylor, who is the younger brother. Welcome back, younger brother from Stepsister from Planet Weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Trevor. The community theater is, is... This movie is heavy in the community theater. A lot of returning characters from very recent films. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a bunch of returns because, yeah, Taylor is uh, returning. Uh, he was Trevor in Stepsister from Planet Weird. Absolutely was. And uh, somebody help me. What was the name of the older sister? Chelsea, right? Chelsea, who was Lauren in Alley Cat Strike. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, golly, what a crazy cast of characters. We also, uh, listeners, tick up the single parent counter. 
Yep. Big we sure do. It's as we introduce <laughs> Caroline Ray as the yeah. mom. They all kind of get together uh, and you get a couple of things established pretty early. Chelsea has a boyfriend named Ryan who you never meet. Mom. His is, name is Pete. Pete but thank you. we don't meet him. I agree. <laughs> I'll say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Half of that's true. Of that is true. <laughs> yeah. Part of what Alan said is correct. Ryan is not anything like Pete, but uh, he did. It, he did it is 50%. an average white guy name. So uh, you were. Yeah. I did just go to the white guy Rolodex. <laughs> I, to be honest, I thought his name was Eddie. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not true either. I think I thought Adam from Quince. I thought maybe like. And then got know. to another name that yeah, is in the beginning through, of the I alphabet. Just, I was just rolling through the. Quince names. Sure, yeah. Ooh, Lord. Okay, so <laughs> Chelsea has a boyfriend named Pete who is only on the phone. You never meet him. Uh, the mom is like uh, immediately no nonsense, strong single parent. And you have uh, Adam is lazy, laced in the sort of mythical monster lore, etc. And Taylor is the impressionable younger. Uh, I didn't get the impression that he was lazy brother. so much that he just was very invested in his monsters and his vampires and chose to do that over schoolwork. Well, that yeah. that is what comes from the next sort of scenes after you have this setup where mom is like, Adam, why would you show Taylor this movie? Now Taylor's going to be afraid. That's what they expound on. They go to school the next day and Adam is supposed to read his uh, English assignment or English or history. One of the two. Read his English or history paper. It's, it's history paper. History paper. On who, who you admire was the essay. Yeah. And he takes his National Enquirer-esque article. I loved this. To the front of the classroom Same. and begins to read it. And I was like, that's plagiarism. It is plagiarism. But also, this is why I don't think he's lazy. I think he's really smart. I think he's clever. I think he just... He, I, he's just one of those kids that like... He's like... Once he, once he gets out of high school... And he can major in a thing that he cares about. He'll do great. But I think he's that kid that like when you have to take classes you're not interested in, i.e. he's interested in, you know, monsters and the and like horror genre. And like he's going to go be a theater kid somewhere and he's going to be very successful. Um, but when you make him want to write an essay about some random ass old dude that he's in, you know, he doesn't care. And so he's just yeah, I agree with Molly. I don't I don't read him as lazy. I just agree. I read him as like, I'm really focused on this thing. And if it's not that thing, I don't give a shit about it yep and speaking of school we're gonna welcome back bradley from quince yeah we are uh, two Gilbert. movies later this kid two is, is in again he's the best friend uh i called him bradley the whole time in my head i don't actually know what his name is in this movie duffy it, duffy it, is his name in this movie bradley's a better name bradley, bradley is bradley. his name because he is bradley <laughs> in my brain forever now it was only two movies ago he uh so we have this scene where he reads the article, the teacher calls him out on it, and you think that really nothing's going to come of that. They sort of let that plot point lie. What you do have is Bradley and Adam get together, start having a conversation, like, hey, I've got these, I, I don't, not only do I have tickets, but I have backstage passes to go see the Headless Horseman. Oh, backstage okay, passes. Uh, I love that idea. Wait a minute, I love that idea. I love idea. that idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, his brother, Duffy's brother, uh, somehow Boomer. got backstage passes. No, Boomer's a different kid altogether. Okay, uh, Boomer's a tenth grade friend. I hate. Yeah, Boomer's a we'll tenth Boomer. grade kid. We'll yeah, um, how he's in the tenth grade, I'll never understand. He's dumb as a box of rocks. But hey, he's good in for the you, tenth Boomer. grade for the third time, yeah. probably. Duffy's brother got them backstage passes to the Headless Horseman, which is some 
metal band maybe um and and uh yeah adam is psyched pumped he's so jazzed he's heckin here for it and then he goes home and mom pops his proverbial excitement balloon by saying hey your history teacher called told me not only did you not do your assignment you committed a plagiarism so guess what two words a child never want to hear you're grounded grounded kid this weekend off limits and then adam has the balls to call his mother by her first name by her god-given christian name if i had a done that move. as a 13 year old i would be i wouldn't exist on this earth anymore i would be vaporized to have the audacity to do that <laughs> i just wouldn't fly like i even now if i try to call my mom by her first name i'm like i don't know if i feel good about this <laughs> i think again this is just showing that he's like a wily like sarcastic kind of wise guy kid i actually really enjoy him as a character he has faults for sure but i think he's pretty funny it's kind of smarmy yeah um but then i kind of think this is unfair Chelsea, in an older sistery way, says like something like she makes fun of him for being grounded. And then the mom's like, now you're grounded, too. And I was like, whoa, do we really think that the sister who's just like being a big sister deserves the same punishment as the brother who literally like plagiarized an article? She does. I mean, she gives her a warning. She she fires a warning shot. Chelsea says something about like, you know. Uh, how she's parenting or how he should be punished. The mom's like, hey, this is between us. This has nothing to do with you. She fires the warning shot into the air. Chelsea pipes up again. She's like, well, your ass is in now. Like, <laughs> That's true. Should have shut true. your damn mouth, kid. When I tell you that, I, so I was reading the cast and the descriptions of the characters, and it's like, Caroline Ray as Lynette Hansen, the strict, no-nonsense divorce mother of Chelsea, Adam, and Taylor. Lynette is overprotective of Taylor. I was like, wow, they really just like profiled these characters in a to a T because that's what I like. Nope, you 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 done did cross the line. Guess what? That's true. Consequences. All right, All right. that's fair. So they both end up getting grounded. And what I will say is I did like Adam's negotiation tactic. He was like, I've got a concert that I want to go to backstage passes once in a lifetime opportunity, which I don't know if I fully agree with once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, how about instead of grounding me over just a weekend, you ground me over a whole week. And I was like, but it starts the day after the concert, Yeah, but it starts. I would have done something like that. That would have probably 100%. Been, I probably would have gotten away with it too. And, and I think that like, I, listen, I'm never gonna have kids. But I think it's a conundrum that I, I think parents are, would be in a, bad, a hard spot. Like, I don't I don't envy the mom in this situation of like, I mean, every decom or every kid show ever, like the kid is going to get in trouble the moment they have some really cool thing that's happening. And on one hand, you're like, well, it's not punishment if they get to go do the thing that they want to do. But also, like, you want your kid to have cool experiences and and like was the you know, did did him not doing his homework one night really warrant him not getting to have this amazing thing that he can't normally do? Like, that's a tough call. I, 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 I thought about that, too, because there was a TikTok recently that showed up on my For You page where it was like, again, I'm not a parent, don't intend to be, but like it was basically like if my kid gets in trouble and it falls on a weekend of like prom or some other like major milestone or once in a lifetime opportunity i'm not grounding them that weekend i'm gonna ground them the next weekend because right. just because they deserve to learn from their 
you know, mistakes or they, they deserve to like punishment has to fit the crime and the punishment most likely does not fit the crime. If I'm taking away a like m- once in a lifetime, big moment opportunity. So I, mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for the plot reasons, obviously, obviously for plot reasons, he gets grounded. He needs, he needs to, get, to grounded. get grounded. And so yeah. does Chelsea. So they get grounded together. It is essential that they are grounded together because that means we have a conspiring that occurs. They go upstairs and they have the logical, the, it's guys, it's a clear outcome. You're both grounded. Got a single mom. You know what the solution to all your problems is? Get her a date, baby. Get her a date. Get her out for the night on a date. So they go to the classifieds on the old newspaper and start looking. Not in the newspaper, in the National Enquirer. Oh, right. The classifieds in the National Enquirer. And Adam has the the brilliant line of, they're pre-checked by the newspaper. They're not crazy people. It's the Enquirer. Okay. It's not like it's a creep in a chat room. Man, this scene gave me so much nostalgia of the AOL. It's the messenger (laughs) days. I also was watching this with 2023 eyeballs because my brain is like, you're going to get your mom murdered. Like a hundred percent. Like I was like, do not not set your mom up with a stranger you met on the internet. Like I just was like, this is, I'm looking at this as someone who's watched way too many documentaries about true crime. Like this is a bad plan. (laughs) Especially when he's like, well, they've been, they've been checked by the paper. And then the very first ad they read, the guy is incarcerated. Like immediately your basis is ruined. I Mm -hmm. loved this scene. Also, there's a scene earlier where he gets on the, on the internet and you watch the page load. And I was like, man, the like, the the year 2000 internet nostalgia that I experienced watching this movie was so strong. Like, come to Papa. Holy. Now, now, I think we are all too young to have looked for a date via a personal ad. Like, obviously, the sure. personal ad is the the Tinder of this I, time yeah, frame I or, think the, or the you know, app of the day. But I, I challenge you to write your personal ad. Oh, my God. Because you know you only get a certain amount of characters. You only get like they all start they all start with like age, gender, and like a few basic physical descriptions. And then it's usually like weird description of yourself and then looking for and a weird description of what you are looking for. So, you know, take take a moment if needed. But I'm challenging all of us to write our own personal ad. And in this universe we are all single and ready to mingle. God, all of these oh, okay. are so cringe. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go first, just because why not? Uh, Holy shit, you're ready. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Wow, let's go. I wasn't even ready. And I'm, I I'm nowhere near ready, but okay. Let's, I'm ready let's, to hear let's, yours. Let's go do the thing. So I, I remind me of the structure. Age. It always is like. Gender. It's always like, it's like 31 year old, ma- 31 31 year old, year old white old man, 6'4 athletic build is probably how like Okay, yeah, because that, that's how I was going to kick it off. Likes these things, looking for and then you put got it okay so it'd be 31 year old white man athletic build six foot four enjoys cooking trying new things and exploring possibilities because you got into with a cheesy ass phrase looking for a partner to go on the next adventure with for years to come mm. it's pretty good I'm surprised mm. you're not looking for a sous chef to taste 
here's the deal. I did consider making an analogy like like the chef to chef analogy, but then I was also like, if I'm trying to cast a wide net, mm. right? You can't you can't dial in that heavy because then you're gonna get somebody who's like, all you're doing is you're in cooking every night. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to go try some shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that clocked me in at like just under 160 characters. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sip on my Capri Sun while you two work this out. Okay, I'm ready. How old am I? What? <laughs> what? I'm 34, right? Yes! I just turned 34. I forget sometimes. Okay. 30 old... The 30. 30. I fucking wish. Um, okay. 34-year-old, white female, 5'7", blonde hair, average build. Likes... Harry Potter, theme parks, cheese, and sharks. Looking for someone to take a bite out of life with. Nice. Bite out of life? Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. I imagine on a Tinder profile, those would just be emojis that you'd yeah. put. These are the worst Tinder profiles I've ever heard, by the way. They're, 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 they're listen. Neither one of you. Neither one of you have spent a lot of time. Not not a lot. Neither one of you have spent a lot of time on Tinder. They're very boring profiles. Um, My language, my language is going to be more Tinder profile based. But I think in the day of personal ads, boring was the way. I think that like now, what we're looking for is not what personal ads was looking for. I think you're you're right on. You're right on the money. All right. Okay. I'm gonna try to do this on the fly. Feeling a lot of pressure here. How old am I? Um, <laughs> You're 33. <laughs> oh, thank you. 33 white male. 5'11 because apparently that matters. Likes facts about animals. Looking for my princess, but she's in another castle. Must love fish. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Must nice. love fish. Yeah, must, must love, love fish. fish. There was that whole movie, Must Love Dogs, right? That I yeah. think was about personal ads. I think it was. It was Diane Lane and John Cusack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. Good, good. Must well, love fish. Uh, everyone, think about your Yeah, write your own ad. personal ad. Yeah, write your own put personal it in the ad. review or put it on Discord. What happens with Adam and Chelsea is they go to the they go to the classifieds, they go to the ads that they find in the conspiracy magazine, and what they find is an ad that says there's a gentleman with the last name Wolfbane hates Italian food and turtlenecks and that uh, along with some other like cheesy adventure bullshit that they're like yep that's the guy and Chelsea's like you can't just email a stranger on the internet like kid goes watch me Chelsea is the voice of reason for most of this 100% she is yeah she's the conscience she's uh, she's the Jiminy Cricket of this movie um Adam goes to the computer types up an email like hey show up at this is what is bonkers to me i here's what i thought was going to happen in my in my version of the movie this is what occurs adam writes a message as if he is the mom he does a full catfish that is what i anticipated happening instead what occurs is he sends a two-sentence email to this stranger and is like hey man it's really like asl he's like hey man we're gonna be at this uh grocery store tonight be there Act natural. Don't say we sent you an email. By the way, this is for my mom and we're her kids. For the record, if you got that message as a personal ad, I don't think you'd show up. No shot. 
I no shot you show up. Uh-uh. You go to jail. Like, I'm thinking about through that, like, the... the yeah, like, Dateline's coming. Dateline's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a sting operation. <laughs> Chris Hansen's walking into that <laughs> yeah. store, man. You should be wondering what's on your computer, uh, because somebody has turned you into the FBI. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. So they also, get- <laughs> but that, that being said, I'm obsessed with email vampire because the <laughs> next shot, the, the next shot is a fucking computer in a mansion next to a coffin. And then the coffin opens and a hand with like old ass shirt comes out to answer the email. I am obsessed with email vampire. I love him so much. I got just the idea that the You've got mail. Pops up and email vampire wakes from his slumber to respond to his personal. I'm. I love him. I. Uh, what a good character. Amazing. <laughs> I wish we saw more of him. God. I just want. I just want the vampire that answers emails all about. Like <laughs> I want. You know the scene from You've Got Mail where Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are emailing back and forth yeah. in bed. A case of freshly sharpened pencils. I want that scene with a vampire in his coffin. Like I just want email <laughs> vampire. To be, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they go. uh, the The end result is all the kids and mom go to the grocery store. Under the the kids are like, we want to make these cookies that are these pancakes Pancakes. tomorrow morning that are chocolate chip. Da 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 da. Remember when we were happy? It was all because we had chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. Remember when we had a dad and we were happy because we had chocolate chip pancakes? I do want Rough. chocolate chip pancakes now, though. There was some serious, like, manipulation happening in Big this time. movie. Big I'll make you chocolate chip pancakes. We got it. We got this. They're delicious. I really like that. They get to the... So, so in any case, they get to the store. And we see a shady-ass character walking through the grocery store, and they're like, that's got to be him. Do you know what his, his first line upon entering the grocery store The is? shady guy? The shady guy. He enters the grocery store, and I made a note of this because I was like, no shot. That's how they introduced this character. He walks in, camera zooms in on his face, and he says, come to Papa. <laughs> Stop it. That's not true. It is a hu- look, that's watch not it, true. Watch it right now. I, I refuse to believe watch that that's true. right now. Come to Papa, he yep. says. Come to Papa. I hate that. Yep. Could have been worse, though. Could have been Daddy. Yep. And, um, uh, yeah, it turns out through a, they think this is Wolfbane from the personal ad. But in the process of them trying to go get Wolfbane to come meet mom, mom and a handsome gentleman have a cart running. They start flirting. Chelsea pulls Adam aside and she's like, hey, this is what we wanted. Like, who cares yeah, fuck, this fuck Wolfbane. We're getting what we wanted. We're getting what we wanted. And then plot twist. That is Wolfbane. And bigger plot twist. Shady guy come to Papa is none other than Lindsay McGuire's dad, Vampire Hunter. Van right. Helsing. Van Helsing. Malachi Van Helsing. What a dope name. Malachi That's Van Helsing. That's a good name. Good name. Yeah. Did you catch, again, this movie is great, of, filled with great one-liners. Come to Papa. When Chelsea pulls Adam away, she looks at her mom and Vampire Daddy and says, Mom's making a love connection. Ooh. Sexy. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Nice. yeah, she is. Yeah. He is good looking. Like, sure. He's charming. He's got a nice accent. Sure. Suave, debonair, just like Suave, his profile. Debonair. You know what, though? Oh, you might God. be thinking, he is suave and debonair. He looks like he has a lot of money. Enough money to oh, afford yeah, a nanny. Yeah. Because uh-huh. he mm. is the dad 
on the classic sitcom The Nanny. He is uh-huh. Maxwell Sheffield. If you watch The Nanny, big fan, Fran Drescher, but uh, one of his kids is named Maggie. She was played by Nicole Tom, who was in one of my favorite movies as a kid, Beethoven. Did y'all watch that movie about the I remember Bernard? Beethoven. Yeah, of she course, was the yeah. older sister, Rice, uh, in the movie Beethoven, which... Side note, as I was I was IMDBing for the Armageddon connection, I remember the fact that in Beethoven, a guy tries to shoot the dog and then pretends the dog bit him. And I was like, dark for a kid's movie. True. Uh, also in Beethoven was um, Bonnie Hunt, who plays a mom in, a, in many a film, including this one. She's Alice. But more recently, us Pixar fans probably know Bonnie Hunt as a sexy car named Sally in the Cars Mm. films. And when I say a sexy car, I mean because she dates the the king himself, (laughs) Lightning McQueen. Uh And they are... Ka-chow. Ka-chow. You know what I mean? They go to the cozy cone. They're bumping mufflers. And (laughs) you get it. I mean, she's uh, got that pinstriping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lightning McQueen, obviously voiced by Owen Wilson, who's Oscar in Armageddon. Wow. An incredible role. Wow. He did a great job. Ka-chow. Also in Armageddon, Judith Hogue plays Denise. Denise Mm -hmm. is the the woman who will not talk to Coach Yost, uh, but ends up being proud of him anyway. Uh, She also guest starred in one of my favorite shows for a long time as uh, Rada Douglas in Grey's Anatomy. A great, mm-hmm. great show. Well, it used to be. Uh, for any of my other Grey's fans, it's, it's gone downhill. It's it's too much. Um, but for any of my other Grey's fans, she is the mom of Mae Whitman, who's got extreme scoliosis, and, and you know, they do miraculous once-in-a-lifetime, never-been-done-before surgery, and everything goes great, because that's how that show works. Uh, but also... <laughs> okay. Well, you know. Also, in Grey's Anatomy... William Daniels, who I was so excited to see on screen. He ends up mentoring Dr. Christina Yang as Dr. Thomas. And if you don't know who William Daniels is yet, I bet you'll know that he was Mr. Feeney. Feeney! Feeney! Mr. Feeney! He was Mr. Feeney, everyone's favorite teacher on Boy Meets World. I love Boy Meets World. You love Boy Meets World. And you know what else we love? We love a TGIF crossover event. I loved the TGIF lineup. I loved when those characters mixed it up with each other. And it just so happens that on one episode of Boy Meets World, we got an appearance from a certain black cat. A talking black cat, if you will, named Salem, voiced by Nick Bacay. Obviously, Salem is more known for being on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm-hmm. where we have the lovable Aunt Hilda, played by Caroline Ray, who in this film is Mom Lynette. Nice. And I just think it's so interesting that this film is anchored by two pretty big sitcom stars of the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. I think that Dad from The Nanny and Mom, or Aunt from Sabrina, both pretty big stars to be in this decom. Yeah, Sabrina, I mean, Sabrina in this age was massive. Uh, Sabrina, I remember Sabrina being on all the time mm-hmm. in yeah. this in this year. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. 
So we have come to Papa or the Vampire Hunter walking around the grocery store after we have the vampire and mom getting together. Uh, flirt, flirtation is occurring. And the vampire's like, let's go on a date. Let's have a, let's have a wonderful time out on a date. We'll go on together. We go to dinner. Perhaps we'll go on a nice stroll, a carriage ride. Yeah, but like red flag, red flag, red flag. Because she's like, let's go places in public. And he's like, no, let's go very private places. I'd like to take you on a place where only you and, and I like, can be together. Don't go. And it will be lovely. And you'll stare deeply into my eyes. And my vampire gaze shall take over and foggy your brain. And it shall be incredible. Anyway, so they have established that that is going to sort of be... They're going on a date the next evening... Perfect. Everything has gone to plan as Adam and Chelsea have set up. Taylor looks as everybody leaves. They're going back to their car with mom. Lisette's getting into the car. Taylor looks over her shoulder and sees uh, Dimitri, the name of the vampire, drop his grocery bag, clattering to the ground, breaking cans, etc. left inside. And a wild bat transformation. Dude, the CGI was crazy. He just turns right into a gigantic bat. That then becomes a normal-sized bat. It was crazy CGI. I I loved it. It was so of the times. It like, do you remember when CGI was all smooth? Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way I can describe this CGI is Look, that damn. it was smooth. Like there's no texture. It's just like smooth purple blob that sort of forms into a vaguely bat shape until they just replace it with a bat. It's it's crazy. What's even weirder is now the cutaway to Adam and Bra- uh, Bradley in the next scene as they're at a diner and Bradley's breaking the news to Adam that, hey man, I can't give you the backstage passes anymore. I've already given them to Boomer. And this seems like a largely irrelevant plot point. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm being real, I don't think it pays off anywhere in the film, but we get introduced to Boomer and Bradley's logic of this is better playground relations because Boomer's sure. a 10th grader. He wants to, like, get some clout. He's a political man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, yeah, he's glad-handing the high rollers. I think the point of this scene is to see that Adam is a little bit of a shithead right here. Because he's like, no, man, I need that concert ticket. Boomer, like, I'll pay you. And Boomer's like, I don't want any money. So then he pimps out his sister. And is he's like, I know you have a crush on my sister. I'll get you a date with my sister. And Boomer's like oh, like to go watch kung fu movies and eat burgers. And he's like, sure, man, whatever you want. And then Boomer's like, I get to kiss her on the lips. And you can see Adam be like, "Uh." but then eventually he's like, yeah, you can kiss my sister on the lips. And I'm like, I don't like this. That's bad. Real bad. Feels bad. Yeah. I mean, I I think, Alan, to your point, like we do get some payoff here when Chelsea finds out, but this is also following a, a bit of a parallel, right? Like one of the big problems with vampires and one of the things that gets discussed about vampires this is going to sound really nerdy because it's one of the things that gets discussed about vampires, but like vampires you. get romanticized in a lot of ways, but ultimately it's all a story of like non-consensual relation, right? That, that the vampire is charming you and is taking advantage of a woman and, and making her do a thing she doesn't want to do. Right. I think that in some ways this is the teenage version of that, which is like, 
I, the brother, am telling you that my sister, who has no idea this is happening, who isn't interested in you all, uh, you at all, will go out with you and kiss you because I want those tickets, right? Like, there's a, a theme here of women uh, giving non-consensual affection, whether it's because of a mythical creature or because of teenage politics. But that's one of the big issues with vampires in general, right, is that they are so romanticized in text and ultimately, like, it's all non-consensual. Mm -hmm. And now that's a good parallel. I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but that's, that's a really, really good parallel. Tell Bella Swan that it's non-consensual. They go back home. Taylor is shooketh because Taylor saw Dimitri transform into a bat. He tries to share this with Adam who effectively blows him off. Um, They have a conversation together where they're like, is there anything, is there anybody like hunts a vampire? And there's like, yeah, it's in this conspiracy magazine. And Taylor's like, you need to call him and we need to get him on the phone. Da, 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 da. And this is when we get the name of the movie dropped. It was like, Mom's got a date with a vampire delivered by I Taylor. I love it when the name of the movie gets dropped. It, well, I got good news for you, Ma. It happens basically every one of these it, films. And, so. and I, I have a little smile every time. Yeah. They go to bed that evening. None the wiser. At least, I mean, Taylor's wise. But nobody else is any of the wiser to the vampire that their mom's about to go on a date with. The following day comes around. We get to the evening. And Dimitri shows up at the door. And he stands at the door. And they make it a point to have this very long and poignant pause with Dimitri standing at the threshold and Adam goes what are you doing out there come on inside mm-hmm. okay. apparently that's his first mistake and invites this is what Ma looked at me and Ma was like why is that a thing and I go well vampires can't come in unless you invite them in what a dumb rule <laughs> well obviously and th- that's when I th- it was at this moment where I was like I know a lot of vampire lore that's probably going to make a lot of sense for a lot of the plot down the road that I'm probably going to have to explain a little bit and just say, that's just the way it is. That's just how vampires work. It's weird. We've accepted it. Is that true in Twilight? Uh, no, Twilight. I mean, vampires don't sparkle. They like Twilight basically threw out all conventional vampire wisdom. Like in... (laughs) <laughs> Conventional vampire wisdom, if a vampire is exposed to sun, they turn to dust effectively they, and they have they to retreat back to their and coffin. They can climb trees like a spider monkey in Twilight. Well, that's just the super athletics and speed of a vampire. Yeah. Translated uh, climbing, I agree. I mean, yeah. he walks up a wall in this film and I thought that was very normal for a vampire. But mm-hmm. I also question that. So, see, I don't know anything about vampires. And for the record, I have not seen all the Twilight movies. So, well, that's okay. That you're not missing anything. What we, is happening there either? We have mom freaking out that Dimitri is here to go on a date. She's having reservations as a single parent, a divorced single parent, going on a date again. Chelsea and Adam give her a pep talk. She goes down. And again, red flags keep popping up because mom is uncomfortable doing all these things alone in private places. And Dimitri is all for it. And they end up leaving and going to dinner. And it felt uncomfortable when they leave. Uh, I was, I was, he's a walking red flag. I was very uncomfortable. I want to I want to back up just to say two things. Mm-hmm. One, this one's quick. Then I'm gonna go in. The first one is we see Adam put on a t-shirt uh, he, that he picks from his closet, and he has the exact same t-shirt in six different colors. It I has like that. the same headless horseman logo, but six different Ooh. color varieties of the exact same shirt. And I thought that was funny. I Number like- two. I thought the scene where um, mom is talking to the kids about dating is actually so sad mm-hmm. because she talks about how like I, I've moved past this part of my life. Like I dated and I got married and then I got divorced and like now I don't get to do this anymore. Like I 
have moved past that. Those days of getting to date are over. And I was like, this is so sad. Like, I think that that's probably very real for a lot of people uh, that go through a failed marriage and like are trying to think about where love even belongs in their life. And I was like, man, this is a fucking sad beat for this mom to take right now. And the kids don't, what I think also adds a layer to it is the kids don't give it any weight. Like the mom's being super real and they're comparing the mom's vulnerability with her children to her children's selfish desires to do things that they want to do, right? Like that's, that's a stark comparison there. And it makes it even worse. Like it hits it home even more. Cause you're like, wow, the kids just aren't listening to their mom right now. Like the mom's trying to be super real and the kids are like, nah, yeah, fuck your feelings. I want to go and do the thing that I want to do. I, I do think the unsung hero of this film is mom Lynette's personal growth and journey that she goes on mm-hmm. throughout this. Like, I don't think as a kid, I would have picked up on the fact that she goes through a whole journey to, to find herself and find value in herself again. But as an adult watching this, that was nice. I legitimately love Carolyn Ray's character in this movie. Oh like, yeah. Like I, as we move forward, one of the things that stuck out to me so much, especially with the tropes of vampires is how uninterested she is in him. And that like, she's having a good time, but not because of him. She's like, no, I, that was a great meal and I had a great meal and now we're going to go dancing. And that was super fun. And wow. I've remembered that I love this thing. You're not that fun, but like, I'm having a great time. And she's just like uninterested in him. It would be really easy for her to be whatever charmed by him but she discovered i love the i love her character arc and i love caroline ray in this movie it's very very good i i think the one thing that i picked up on and we didn't really dive into it too much and we will but like the the fact that he tries to charm her multiple times throughout the evening and it is ineffective mm-hmm. like that is a magical effect where if you so, so molly Vampire lore. Sparkles. If a vampire makes eye contact with you, in lore, generally accepted, and they force their magic on you, unless you have a strong will, you give in. Like, you are just well, charmed. that happens at the end. Uh, yes, it, it becomes a lot more overt and forced, but he tries to do it subtly throughout, right? That's true. So, She's a strong, independent woman that don't need no man. don't need no man. They go to the mom, Dimitri, go to dinner. We then mm-hmm. cut to a scene, and you see him drive off in a nice car. I think it's a Ferrari. Drive off in a very nice sports car. You then cut to uh, come to Papa, who is at the car dealership. The salesman comes up and tries to do a sales pitch. Van Helsing drops a piece of charcoal, steps on it, lights it, and you watch a very cool effect for a decom of these footprints what was appear that? in flame. Are vampire footprints only revealed by light? <laughs> Uh, this one is kind of lost on me. <laughs> no, this is just, I'm a vampire hunter, so I have cool shit that yeah, I can do. This All is right. this is mostly him just doing it. And he gets intel on where Dimitri is. He came in here, bought the car Well, then cash, he also da, has da, da, a voicemail da, 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 da. from this kid. Well, Taylor's been calling him nonstop. So yeah. as, soon as, uh, as soon as Van Helsing gets back in his car, picks up the phone to Taylor, goes to Taylor's house where Taylor's being babysat. That's, that's not quite yet. Because what happens first is Taylor jumps on his bike... And he's like, oh, he bails. He's running away to protect mom from the vampire. And of course, Chelsea and Adam are like, this little shit's going to ruin our plan if they make it to mom. So Adam being kind of like the wise guy that he is goes with Taylor to the restaurant and then plays off Taylor's actual fears as like, he's just being a dumb little kid that got scared by the movie. I showed him you were right. 
And Dimitri, quick on his feet, is like, oh, you need me to prove that I'm not a vampire. Let's do the spoon test. Mm -hmm. Which, not a real test. But he sort of like looks at Adam and gives him the like, yo, go with me here. I'm trying to bail you out so that you can have a good night and I can have a good night. And Adam, who is everybody considers him the monster master, is like, yeah, this is totally legitimate. And the spoon test is when you take a spoon and put it on the end of your nose. And if it stays on the end of your nose, you're not a vampire. Big, big away. missed opportunity here, I thought. Because right after this, they're going to reveal he doesn't have a reflection. They're going to see him in a mirror. Why was it not in the fucking spoon? Like, he picks up a metal spoon and holds it up to his face. Why do you not show that he doesn't have a reflection oh, there? What a that's missed like, opportunity. Well, yes. yeah, the importance of the reflection is that Adam knows the truth now. So, mm-hmm. what? yeah, it's true. It'd be interesting if when he took the spoon away from his face... He didn't have a reflection in it, and that's what clicked in Adam's brain. Yeah. That's a, that's a good rewrite. They, I don't know that a kid would pick up on that, I think. Mm. Maybe it needs to be more overt, but I yeah. think for me, even if you just slip it in as a subtle thing, maybe if I think that back. like, yeah, Ooh, no, it's, not there, we'll to, we'll to, yeah, we'll it's not there. So he conducts a spoon test. Spoon sticks to his nose. Taylor is satisfied. They turn to leave. Adam looks in the mirror, as we've mentioned, and sees that there is no reflection for Dimitri in the mirror. Adam does a triple take and then looks over, and as if to sell to the audience at home that Dimitri is indeed a vampire, Dimitri smiles, and you watch his inside, not his inside, his, uh, his canines grow long. Molly, did you know vampires don't have reflections? Yeah, I did know that. And okay. I knew, obviously, that they have long Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I assumed you knew they had fangs. I didn't know the, the reflection thing. I okay. knew the reflection thing and I knew the garlic thing. So, of course, I thought it was funny when the waitress shows up. She's like, do you guys want to start with some garlic bread? And he's like, no. Which <laughs> I got to say, that would be a red flag to me on a date that someone doesn't want to eat garlic bread. Obviously. It wouldn't be when he looks at you and says, oh, listen, Leanne, I know what you could be. Oh God, I hated that line. I didn't like that either, but I just like garlic bread a lot. And I don't think I could date someone who doesn't want to share garlic bread with me. I see a fire in you, smoldering, if only taking a spark to ignite it. He's a walking red flag. Shall we ignite that fire, Lisette? Um, Please don't. Her name is Lynette, Alan. Lisette, Lynette, Leanne. I'm just doing every name (laughs) for now. She's so... Her some damn respect. Lynette she deserves it. She deserves it. She's the best character it. in the movie. This is why I miss working at Disney because name tags are so helpful. I can't remember names to save my life. You got a notebook in front of you. Lynette, I can light a fire in you. It doesn't make it any better. It's so creepy as hell. So they leave. Now Adam knows Dimitri is a vampire. He's not telling Taylor because he wants Taylor to out of his hair so he doesn't have to worry about it. And he and Chelsea can tackle the issue together. He drops Taylor off at home where there is a babysitter there to take care of Taylor. Can I say how quickly both Adam and Chelsea accept the vampire? Oh, it takes Chelsea a while. Adam accepts it fast. I, yeah, I guess. Chelsea, but she goes with him pretty quick. That's true. I think it's just like a belief in her brother. Less so like the fantastical element of him being a vampire, but more of like, Mom's in danger. That dude gave me skeezy vibes. Yeah, I like to believe that Chelsea as the voice of reason is like, ooh, he's giving creepy vibes and we sent our mom on a date with him. 
I think it's sort of also the the play of like, well, if I'm if I'm wrong, then he's a weirdo, and if I'm right, mom's dead. So what 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 bet do you want to place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They have some excellent dialogue from the babysitter here, as Adam and Chelsea bike away, Stranger Things style in slow motion. And she's on the phone. The babysitter's on the phone while Taylor's playing his own game of sorry. And she's like, totally. Totally. No way. No way. No way. Interesting. Totally. Over and over. That's all she says. But what is totally crazy is then Van Helsing shows up and Taylor's like, great, I've been the one calling you. My mom's on a date with this vampire right now. And he comes inside and the babysitter turns around to see a grown ass man in the house with this little boy. And she's just like, okay. In a trench coat and fedora. Like vampires, huh? She's yep. just like, yep. she's just like, yeah, this is normal. It's normal for a full adult man to come hang out with the seven year old I'm babysitting. That's totally fine. Yeah. T- totally. No way. <laughs> the interaction here is meant to be like Taylor realizes that Adam lied to him and there is no such thing as a spoon test and he wants to be the vampire slayer's assistant mm-hmm. as an eight-year-old uh, Van Helsing's naturally like no kid you're eight and sends the kid to bed and Van Helsing leaves we cut to now Lynette and Dimitri at a rockabilly dance party yeah the suede shoe hmm I, I, What's rockabilly? Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with what rockabilly is. Help me. Max tried his best to explain to Molly what rockabilly was, but I thought it'd be way more fun to show you what rockabilly is. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and I go, can't go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything, but do you shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much of love drives a man insane. You broke my will. This was mostly an excuse to educate you about Jerry Lee Lewis. Similarly to Homeboy here and Mom Has a Date with a Vampire, Mr. Rockabilly himself also gave off off putting vibes. Only instead of trying to date your mom, he married his cousin, who was 13. It is a real, legit life fact. Anyways, back to your regularly scheduled program. Oh, and don't forget, you can always support our friends at patreon.com slash mammoth club. Okay, for real, here's Alan. Well, they're at a Rockabilly place for dancing. Dimitri's not into it. Lynette is. <clears throat> they end up having a scene where Lynette begins to sing. Now, we had learned a little bit earlier in the movie that Lynette did used to sing and had since given it up, but now she's here taking it back up again, and she's singing a song that is called Hypnotize, which I thought was a very fun, a uh, little bit of a meta song here talking about, like, if you listen to some of the lyrics, she's like, you hypnotize me with your love and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, this is a really fun allegory to, like, the vampire that she's on the state with. I think that's really sort of clever. And the kid, Adam, shows up at Chelsea. Adam goes inside and he goes to one of the bouncers. And the, first of all, the fact that it takes a very long period of time for adults to recognize that there is a 13-year-old in a club is wild. And he eventually goes to a bouncer because the bouncer's about to kick him out. And he's like, I'm only here because I'm following my mom because there's a guy who's been kind of following her around and it's making me creeped out. And I just like, he's right there. And the bouncer's like, that guy? Oh, we're going to get that guy out cut to him being tossed out of the back of the rockabilly club but also in the club before he gets tossed out there's a mind control moment Mm -hmm. where another guy is trying to dance with lynette and dimitri like changes his mind like a jedi 
um, is that a common vampire power? I think I think what Alan described earlier of like if he looks in your eyes, he can compel you to do whatever. Often that's used on women, but it can be done on anyone. So the same thing that he's doing to Lynette to like force her to come with him, he could do on any person to do anything. And so he just looks at that guy and is like, "You are leaving," and then the guy leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's the charm effect. Effectively, he's tossed out. Chelsea is there, witnesses him being tossed out. He becomes angry and bends the bikes that they had been riding, which is a, which is a fun <clears throat> plot device. Bends the bikes with a super strength. Are vampires super strong? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, they are. And then looks at the wall. <laughs> Mo- Molly takes another I, note. I want you to know that right around here, I literally wrote, do I not know what powers vampires have? Question mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out, no. So we've got bat transformation, super strength. Uh, hypnosis or charm effects the ability for them to move at super speed that is real and the ability walking on walls is not like the best way to describe that ability it's just like they have an enhanced ability to like be mobile through space why would he not just turn into the bat and fly up there it's a great question probably because we've already seen him turn into the bat and fly up there and we want to show a new thing Mm mm-hmm or they can't afford CGI of turning him into a bat, but they can afford that other crazy CGI where they made it look like he turned 90 degrees because that was also equally confusing. <laughs> very, very wild. Let me pause to say he sees Chelsea, mm-hmm. right? Did either of you ever have a concern while watching this movie that who he actually wanted was Chelsea. Yes. Yes. I I had a concern that hit me, and I'm glad that eventually he's like, she's too young for me. He eventually does say those words. Mm -hmm. But I I had a concern partway through this movie that Lynette was always a play to get Chelsea. The only thing that made me feel better about it, because I did have that thought, the only thing that made me feel better about it is that this is a decom, and I'm really hoping that they would not bring that, like, very... Pre- it's already predatory. Sure. Like, you're already dealing with a vampire that is predatory on a woman that is in the right age bracket. Um, it becomes even worse when you're talking about somebody who's not legal yet, who is 16. Right. Like, I, and I, it was yeah, in my... gross feeling. I, I was just very thankful that I'm like, this... Like it feels the most mm. it feels the most loyal to the vampire war if he actually wanted Chelsea. It but gave me I got very jumping ahead quite a bit, but I got really skeevy feelings at the end when he was deciding which of the kids he was going to bite. Yeah, I, I had I was uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, they did a good job making him a villain. They He's did a good, really villain. good job. They he walks up, walks up the wall. Adam exits the club. Looks at the bikes, is like, what, what the hell happened here? Chelsea goes, he's a vampire, because Chelsea's now watched this man walk up a wall. And Adam goes like, yeah. yeah. And they have this sort of dialogue, of like, where are they headed next? The Harvest Festival, that's where mom wants to go. And indeed, mom has convinced Dimitri to go to the Harvest Festival together. So we cut to Harvest Festival. I gotta say two things. One, on the way out of the club, like talking about the harvest festival, this is when we start getting the plot line of mom, like finding herself again. Cause she starts talking about how she hasn't sung on stage for years and she didn't know she could still do it. And she's having a good time, like reconnecting with her past self. So I think that's important. And number two, I got to say it. I, I 
physically unable to finish this podcast without saying there's only one harvest festival I ever want to go to and little Sebastian is there. Uh, Pawnee, Indiana parks and recreation. Yeah. I just really don't think the harvest festival is going to be very good if he's well, little Sebastian's dead. So, <gasps> um, spoiler alert for nope. Somebody That's who's true. not watched parks and rec. Bye bye. Little Sebastian. We do. However, go to the harvest festival here in mom. Mom's got a date with a vampire. The first thing that happens is we have the payoff of the conflict with Boomer, where Boomer meets with Adam and Chelsea and tries to cash in on the date he's been promised. Well, they get a ride there. I, I actually want to pause and go, there's, there's something happening that we haven't talked about at all, which is Malachi is following them throughout this right. with, with Taylor, right? So they're always kind of one step behind. Uh, they knew that they were going to dinner. Why, by the time they got there, they, they weren't there. They know they're going to go dancing, but he doesn't know where they're going to go dancing. So they sort of don't have anywhere to go. Um, and, and they're trying to figure out where to go next. The thing that's funny about this is that Malachi went to dinner and then Taylor just sort of popped up in the back seat yep. <laughs> uh, because Malachi had sent him to bed. Taylor climbed out his window, climbed into Malachi's car and surprised him. At which point he said, um, Malachi's like, I, you know, you got to get out, man. Like I'm chasing a vampire. You're in danger. You can't be in this car. You got to get out. Taylor's like, I'm a years old you're responsible for me now and i have a question which is if a child climbs into my car un unbeknownst to me am i now responsible for that child because i don't want i i think there i don't like the possibility that children just climb into my car and suddenly i am legally responsible for them that i'm uncomfortable with that i <laughs> do not feel legally prepared to answer that question i don't think you're legally responsible for them i think it is it a moral, moral obligation? More, I have a moral obligation to a child if they climb into my car without my knowledge. I feel like that. I think you're probably right, and I'm I'm uncomfortable with how much power children let, wield at this. Let point. me <laughs> let me give you let me give you a little um, a real life example of this. Oh God! Wait a minute here. You got kids climbing in your car. People climbing in what? No, no children have climbed into my car. But we have a neighborhood pool. Mm. My best friend and I one day decided, hey, we're going to go to the pool. We haven't, we haven't hung out in a while. We're going to bring some some seltzies. We're going to have ourselves a little girls afternoon at the pool with some seltzers. We go to the pool. There are two children at the pool. They're running around. They're being they're unsupervised. Their parents are nowhere to be seen. And these two children think up this idea in their heads that they're going to take the pool chairs, like the, the recliners, and throw them into the pool and then try and jump on them. Mm. And... When they were just running around and being annoying, obviously I didn't say anything to the kids because what am I going to do? But when they started doing that, my friend and I looked at each other and we're like, are we obligated to tell these kids that they're going to get hurt? Like, are we obligated to not let these kids crack their heads open because mm. we are the only other two people at this pool and we are technically adults? So mm. eventually we did say to the kids, we said, please stop doing that. We may look like adults, but we're not responsible for you. So you guys are going to get hurt. Stop doing that. And they did. Mm. But it, it, I'm going to be very blunt. It came from a selfish point of view of like, if this kid hurts themselves, I think I now have to call 911. I mm. have to like find their parents. I mm. have to like, you know, help this kid. And like, I don't want to do that. I don't have a kid because I don't want to do this. I definitely don't want to do it for a stranger's kid. But I would feel morally obligated to help a child if they did something like that and hurt themselves in front of me. Boy, the power that children wield, you know? Yeah. 
It's just crazy. Climbing like, into cars, and I, suddenly I, I have moral responsibility. I just wanted to have a white claw. Now I got to worry about little Johnny throwing a fucking lawn chair in the pool. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can blame the parent, but come on now. But like, true, like, but like, yeah. I mean, well, I can blame is, the yeah. parent all day, but if, if parents that, not there, if that kid jumps in the pool and cracks its head open, and I don't do anything, I'm oh, a terrible yeah. person. You're a terrible person. I agree. And if I could have prevented it, I'm probably not as terrible, but still kind of terrible. So you're saying if I'm driving around and a kid jumps in my car and it happened to be downtown LA, I can't be like, get the fuck out of my car, kid, because would, now. I would no, call I, that's an issue. Yeah. I'd call 911. Yeah. Big kid breaking and entering. Yeah. <laughs> Get Take the, ar- ta- arrest this kid. Arrest this child, officer. <laughs> yeah. I got broken into. Can oh, you believe this kid came into my, my car? God. Yeah. <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, ultimately, we're going to. Malachi and uh, Taylor are actually going to skip the Harvest Festival so we can go back to the Harvest Festival because mm-hmm. Malachi realizes. We know they might go dancing. We have no idea where. We don't know where else they might go, but we do know where they're going to finish. And that is that ultimately, vampires are going to bring the girl back to their home. We need a creepy ass house to go to. And Taylor says, to the lake, which directs (laughs) them to the manor house where we will end. Now we can go back to the Harvest Festival where Adam and uh, his sister Chelsea have caught a ride with Duffy Bradley and Boomer and the brother as they're going to the Headless Horseman concert. And this is where we get the payoff of Adam's skeezy actions before where he's like, hey, you need to go on a date with my sister. Also, you have to kiss uh, Boomer. And Chelsea hears this and storms off rightfully fucking so plus boomer basically is like i paid for her like boomer is like you you told me i got a date with her like i bought and paid for this woman so pucker up and she's like yo what the fuck leading to adam slamming the backstage passes back on boomer's chest being like refund bitch and runs after his sister i am now gonna pause us bradley slash duffy is arguably the Gilbert of this tale, even though he's not in it quite so much better or worse than Gilbert on the Gilbert worse. scale. Worse than worse. Gilbert. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, Bradley's worse. like, correct. Duffy he's, sells his, like sells his friend out. He fully watches his best friend sell his sister. And he doesn't yeah. say like, Hey man. Yeah. No. Not cool. Yeah. Just like I didn't like Bradley and Quince. I don't like Duffy in this movie. Well, Adam, has the wherewithal to call Duffy out, though, which is, I mean, it, granted, it's a, it feels like a little bit of a throwaway line, but as Adam walks away and rightfully goes after his sister, now, granted, it's Adam's fault, 100%. As Adam leaves, he looks at Duffy, and he's like, bro, you're not a good friend, man. <laughs> like, you, you're not, not only did you, like, you, you, you gave my spot away, unknown, like you had promised me, like, regardless of anything else, you had promised me that, you had you did not help me at all get it back. That was fully in your control. And then like you're not even going to be supportive now. Like th- no, bro. And the, yeah. he leaves and goes after his sister. And they have a, a sibling bonding moment. Chelsea calling Adam out for this. I also love once again. This is Chelsea dropping the truth bombs because he's like she's basically like what the fuck? Like how could you set me up with this guy that I don't like and I have no intention of wanting to kiss? Like ew and then he's like i was a different person back then and she rightfully so goes that was this afternoon (laughs) i loved it i loved the meta commentary on like 
We always get the, but I've changed. And she's like, that was four hours ago, dumbass. Like, oh, it's so good. Chef's kiss on that one. Yeah, again, Chelsea is Jiminy Cricket in this one. Just serving, serving up truth bombs. They then decide that now they got to find their mom. They got to let her know. They've got to get her away from Dimitri. Dimitri, to his own ends, is also very irritated with how this evening has gone. He's not been able to get Lynette in private, and he wants to be able to charm and take her home. So he just charms her in the middle of the harvest fest. And by charms her, you mean she rejects him. She's like, oh, I had a great time tonight, but with myself, rediscovering myself, myself, you're not for me. And at this point, he finally is just like, fuck it, and just like stares at her in her eyeballs and is like, you will come with me. I think his exact words were, you don't get a choice. Yikes. Which is dark. Watching this Mm -hmm. as an adult is... Incredibly dark. There there are parts about vampire lore that always skeeve me out, but like the ability, like that, watching that play out in front of you is just, whoo. Yeah, this is the moment where Dimitri drops all... Uh, facades, right? He openly takes control of Lynette. He sees Adam, super speeds behind him, and is like, "Yo, if you fuck with me, I'll kill you." It's super like, speed of there's no more charming guy. There's no more trying to hide anything. He literally is like, "Oh, I'll murder your ass. Don't fuck with me." And it's super Adam, speed of vampire thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Adam is frightened naturally sure chelsea and he kind of have a conversation and chelsea again playing the conscious roles like okay again our options have not changed we have to go help our mom at any cost and she shares this later when they arrive at the creepy lake house because they have that discussion of where dimitri lives shares later which was also felt like a throwaway line but was really really hard like deep was hey we'll still be a family even if we don't have our mom yeah Yikes. On the table. Ooh. They arrive at the Dark Lake house, are discussing what tactics they take, and it comes down to the analogy is, hey, remember that one time I, I like I needed your help with something, and so I took away your cell phone to give you incentive to like help me out? Well, the vampire's version of a cell phone is their coffin. Let's go take the coffin away. And my first thought was, no shot a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old will be able to pick up a coffin. Not gonna happen. Certainly not one that ornate, large, and made of ancient wood given the age of the average vampire. I was wrong. They're both super soldiers, and they picked it up with no issue. I mean, they had a little early struggle, but then they just put on their weightlifting belts and picked it up with no problem. They acknowledge it's heavy. They sort of give it a throwaway, but then they toss it out the window as, a, as opposed to having to carry it down all the flights of stairs. They just chuck that fucker. Also, it would break. I mean, you, bet, that's best case scenario, right? Yeah. Couldn't you just break it? Um, yeah. If a vampire really needs their coffin to survive. Couldn't you just break the coffin? I think probably the argument is that fucker isn't going to break. Um, yeah. It's magic. It's probably it's magic. You know, they just left it alone, but probably that, it's not going to break. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's true. I'm just learning so much about vampires this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They really need their coffin. They so, return They return to their coffin to, uh, if they are, uh, 
if they are destroyed. If they have their coffin, then they can never really be destroyed. Um, it is the vessel so that they reform. It's the in. Horcruxes. You got to get rid of the Horcruxes yeah. before you can kill Voldemort. Yes, effectively. Yeah. Got it. S- what they also should do, have said that from the beginning, yeah, yeah, guys. Should have likened yeah. all this to Harry Potter. And I Sorry, did. my yeah, my mistake. Yeah, they get the coffin outside. It does not break after it smashes three stories onto stone. Cool. They then pick it up and push it into the lake, and Adam goes and jumps on the coffin just as. You have Dimitri and Lynette arrive at the manor. Because vampires also can't swim. They can't cross water. Yeah, this one's a little weird, and I'm going to get really nerdy, but it's technically they can't cross running water. Correct. And so it's strange that it's done on a lake. It would be better if it was by a stream or river. But It would be uh, easy to put a small river nearby don't you think yeah why I does think that to be a lake i don't i don't know but the 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 mythology is they cannot cross running water uh, a lake is actually a not exactly true but close enough it, i think they're they're really generalizing because i had the same thought i was like I, it was it would be a lot better if this was i a guess flowing water. if you threw the coffin in flowing water it would, it would move mm-hmm. yeah so they need it to be able to sit right there yeah this is when we get that interaction with Dimitri and Chelsea, he notices Chelsea in the bush, pulls her forward, and I don't know if both of you caught this, but there's a momentary wardrobe change that Chelsea has. Yeah, that's true. Where she like I'm suddenly wears this like, red dress, and he's like, unfortunately, this one's too young for my tastes, and da-da-da, but I can still kill her. And like, Your options are, you why, make a choice. Why would her clothes change? I don't... No idea. It doesn't it was make sexy. sense. It was a sexy, it was a sexy outfit. outfit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was just like a... I'm glad that he said she's too young. I'm glad he said it. Uh, but he did say like she'd make a good vampire princess. Mm-hmm. Don't like that either. But it's better than the alternative. Because you'd think if the vampire power had something to do with her clothes and and is... I don't... Like if the lore is that you're then their slave and you wear sexy things. Like you'd think the, that Lynette's outfit would have changed. Yeah. But she's in like a black day dress, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't like it. It, it was, it, it is nonsensical. I'm, I don't know why. I'm I'm thinking it doesn't about, make any sense that they change the outfit. Yeah. I'm thinking about in Aladdin when Jasmine has to like sure. for Jafar and she has a sexy red outfit. Sure. Mm. Or like Leia has her sexy outfit. Yeah. That's all I can think of. So why change Chelsea's outfit if he's not interested in her? Yeah, no real reason just for the I sake don't have of an it. answer for you. Ultimately, they come to agreement. Adam extracts the coffin from the lake. They carry it back up into the lake house. So and now this is he's when picking the coffin now, now out they of can. water yeah. and like mm-hmm. just casually just grabbing it. Well, you would imagine that he would be able to utilize the super strength of the vampire to help move the coffin in this instance, uh, but they don't. That's just Chelsea, uh, super soldiers, Chelsea and Adam doing it. They take it upstairs. Van Helsing arrives, gives a massive stick of garlic cloves to, uh, or heads of garlic to Taylor. Tells Taylor to stay in the car. Van Helsing goes inside and then you get the dramatic meeting between Dimitri and Van Helsing. And yeah, good old full fight scene here. Mm-hmm. It's very short fight scene. And it's scene. all in slow-mo for some reason. It is. I don't like the slow-mo. Yeah, I did not care for the slow-mo. So either. much slow-mo. 
The end result is Van Helsing is on the ground with a door over top of him. Also, though, why doesn't Taylor stab him? Because, like, spoiler alert, Taylor doesn't stay in the car because, of course, he doesn't. And he gets he has the wooden stake that I believe you are to plunge into the vampire's heart. True. This is true. Well done. And well instead, done. he just keeps smacking it with it. And I, I, I are you. Are you trying to tell me the eight-year-old's not going to kill the vampire? I think they don't want an eight-year-old to kill, commit murder. All right. Well, I think in this instance, it would, you know, he would get off. Because they pass. never, they never plunge the stake into his heart. Nope. They, they actually take a mostly nonviolent approach, which is they nail his coffin shut. Yeah. The only thing Taylor does is like when Dimitri's about to do something bad, Taylor just kind of like swats him with the stake, mm-hmm. which more just distracts him than anything. Totally. Here's, here's the most meta thing that occurs in this entire sequence. The kids are utterly unafraid of Dimitri. And Dimitri is consistently having to explain why they should be afraid of him as a vampire. And part of me at that point was like, I feel kind of bad for Dimitri. You are, <laughs> you are an all-powerful vampire. You can charm people, break them in two if you want to, murder them with a bite. Like... And they just are not showing you any respect at all. Like, imagine the the uh, the utter. It's like every adult with a teenager ever. It's like, and it's like the teenager just disarms you with their. Yeah, they're gonna say the most true thing about me possible. It's like eighth graders are the scariest humans on earth, right? That's like um, when we were doing our Fast and the Furious marathon. Someone DM'd me that their mom ran into Vin Diesel in LA and said, aren't you Vin Diesel? And he said, yeah, do you want a picture? And this little old lady goes, nah. (laughs) 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 All right. And she's like, whoever I, I, uh, the, the person that DM'd you was like, hopefully my mom knocked his ego down a peg. And that's all I'm thinking right now is like, imagine you're Vin Diesel. You meet this like, older I'm, woman I'm and the, she the, 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 the picture and she's just like I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vampire don't you know that's fine you know like, we you? get it whatever Chill, we bro. get it bro like the, the kids finally get it though as he moves them compelling them with his mind forward and he is debating between Chelsea and Adam on who to murder first I just gotta say thank god he goes for Adam because yeah obviously not skeevy. good either way but it, it's skeevier to go yeah, for, Chelsea, goes for Chelsea, especially after totally. the last mm. scene. They, they, totally. they did a good job on that one. And you have children begin to plead with their mom. Because what we learned in the first movie in a movie is that the only way to get somebody out of vampire's trance is to uh, give them a call of true love. True love greater than vampire magic. Yes, that, yeah. is, that is the equation. I like that they don't say that out loud in this moment. They're just like pleading for mom to help. And ultimately it does snap mom out of it. And I was actually really grateful that like this movie ultimately is about mom loving her kids. And that it wasn't like uh, a love like that Malachi doesn't end up being the guy. I mean, there's some like flirtation at the end, but I'm glad that it's like mom's love for kids that triumphs. And they knock Dimitri into his coffin. Malachi springs into action. Van Helsing grabbing his nail gun of silver coated nails and nailing the coffin closed. Not, not a vampire thing, by the way. Also definitely not a vampire. Not, it's not a vampire thing. That was my next that's question. That's a werewolf thing. On, yeah, that's not a, a vampire thing. That's not a vampire thing. silver thing, maybe, because he made sure to say nope, they were that's silver like nails. No, it's, that's it's not. It's is not the thing. love thing a vampire thing? 
Um, no. The true love thing? No. Yeah. Not at all. It's just a plot device for this film. There's there's well, very nice. little that can break you over Vampire's Charm once you're in it. Uh, yeah. But, but, yeah. Yeah, Van Helsing nails Dimitri into his coffin and says he's going to ship him somewhere sunny. And since the sun is coming up, Taylor, that uh, that rascal of a kid, is like, I'm hungry. We should have some chocolate chip pancakes. And mom... No, he says, we should have breakfast. Yes. Lynette says, well, we do have those pancakes. And Malachi says, have you ever tried them with chocolate chips? I hope they date. I think that would be nice. That would be nice. We have uh, uh, Lynette invite Malachi for breakfast. And... Malachi says it's a date. The kids jump in like, no dates. And the mom says, no, no, no. I date. I just don't date vampires. She accepted that he was a vampire very quickly. She well, did. She, was charmed she jumped him, right so. into action of like, oh, that's a vampire. I should put him in his coffin. Hell yeah. And uh, that is the end of mom's got a date with a vampire. It's, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I like that. I like this movie. I, I don't care I how too. stupid it is. I like this movie. I did too. It's just like, it was just fun to watch. Yeah, it was just a fun movie. I just liked it a lot. I I liked I liked Caroline Ray a lot. I thought these kids were pretty fun. I uh, yeah, I think this movie's good. I don't I, I don't care how stupid parts of it are. It's great. I was thoroughly entertained. I thought it moved like paced well. I thought it was funny at times. Yeah. I also for I for an era of decoms where I've not seen any of them, and I'm sort of like I don't know what we're gonna get. I really liked this movie. I thought it was yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. It, it was it was just a nice little um, just a nice little fun movie. I'll I'll, I'll rate this one first. I'm actually gonna give this one a seven point six. I think it is a definitively above average decom. Uh, the acting talent in this was. Pretty good, yeah. I think, in terms of mm-hmm. decoms that we've seen. I think it was my only uh, my only knock, if I could have one against it, is that it was very fast paced. It was very and sometimes felt a little bit rushed, as if they're trying to just like get you to the next thing. They're trying to get you to the climax of it very quickly. But I mean, that's fine. It's a decom. Like you, you do that if you want to. Better that was, than the opposite. Right. Don't drag it on. So yeah, above average movie. If it came back on again, I'd happily watch it. Um, it's not going to. The reason I'm not saying like a tin, like a color of friendship, is because like it's not going to be like the sort of earth shattering, earth altering decom. I think for the Halloween decoms we have seen thus far, it is the best one that I, I in my opinion, it is the best one. Mm. I don't know if I'd say it's better than Halloween Town, but. It was definitely a lot of fun. Um, I was going to give it a seven point eight. Weirdly, we are we're really close, Alan. Huh. Um, I I just really enjoyed this movie. I have an affinity for some vampire stuff. Uh, I I like again. I just think it's so funny to have like a monster character with so many rules. <laughs> I like. I I know that there's like, oh, werewolves and silver or whatever, but like that's kind of their only thing, you know, whereas like vampires have such weird ass rules and and I like that this movie played with them. I just thought it was a fun movie. I enjoyed like I enjoyed watching it. Um, I just had a lot of fun. And so 7.8 for me, man. Mm. I'm going to give it a 7.2, which is just below my Halloween Town rating. Uh, cause I do think Halloween town's just a scooch better. Cause I have the nostalgia for it. I think had I known more about vampire lore going into the film, I may have rated it a little bit higher because it was kind of, 
I'm assuming kind of like Easter eggs throughout the movie where you're like, oh mm. yeah, that's true, that's true. And I'm like, what the, is that true? Like I didn't know the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I don't have as much um, affinity for vampires as I do for maybe horses, like in Ready Sure. You know, they're the same. Uh, but that said, I thought uh, the acting was much better than we've seen, certainly in recent DCOMs um, with both, you know, Caroline Ray and uh, Charles Shaw Nossi, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, from two great, you know, 90s sitcoms. So I think that's fun. They were both in there. I thought the kids, like, I, you almost don't want to like Adam, but you can't help but like the character. Like, mm-hmm. he almost could have been a bad lead but there, mm-hmm. he, there's something charming to his kind of mm-hmm. bullshit so i enjoyed him i enjoy, i thought chelsea was great i like the end message of family being important and i like the end message of lynette realizing that you know what just because she's divorced that doesn't mean that part of her life is over and that she can uh you know she she what you know fell back in love with herself and i think that's a nice subtle message for the adults yeah so, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. Again, a pleasant surprise amongst a sea of mediocrity. Well, I am going to read to you a 9 out of 10 rating on this one. And this is the title of the 9 out of 10. Hi, it's Laura Vandervoort, and I play Chelsea Hansen, and Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> She'll the talk vamp- to us. Should we get the her vampire, on the vampire? Yes. The, the review reads She's now in multiple things. Yeah. Hi, my name is Laura Vandervoort, and I played Chelsea Hansen in the movie M. Gadwav, which is Mom's Got to Date with the Vampire. I had such an amazing time working on the movie, and it was the most incredible experience for me to meet Caroline Ray and Charles S. Matt O'Leary, who played Adam, is such a... Charles S. Matt O'Leary, who played Adam, is such a talented actor, and it was a complete pleasure to work with him before he moved on to domestic disturbance. Everyone got along so well on set, and it was a wonderful atmosphere to be in. The producer and director were great as well, as well as the crew members. I felt I learned a lot from the experience and I have had some great people write to me after watching the movie and some of my other shows. I hope that everyone who sees the movie enjoys it for the family fun, which it so very much is. Thanks a lot. Sincerely, Laura D. Vandervoort. That's that's awesome. And also bold to rate your own movie a nine out of I, ten. I was going to say, why not give it a ten? I, Go think for the ten? I think it's funny that you rate your own film a nine. That's that awesome was, that she commented on IMDb. That was lovely. If it's actually her, if I mean, you got to assume I, it I, is. Fingers but, like, crossed. Hope it is. I'm going to uh, believe it is. But yeah, I thought that's that was awesome. Really fun. I love that. Well, that's mom's got to do with a vampire, everybody. What do we got coming up next? Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh. And we're bringing in another big star because Mickey Rooney's in it. Wow. Hey, damn. Yeah, that, that is big. I agree. It's a big star. Well, looking forward to that next week. Thank you all so much for listening. Please give us that rating and a review and subscribe on whatever platform you happen to listen on. Also, please follow our socials at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore club. And we will see you next week for Phantom of the Megaplex. Ooh, bye. Bye.